Hi, my name is Kayla Keith, and this is Missing Midwest, a true crime podcast about those that have gone missing. Today's story is about two sisters, 10 and 3 years old, who left a note but never came home. What happened to the Bradley sisters? This is Missing Midwest, and someone knows something. Hello. Hello. How are you? Doing I haven't great. seen you all day. I know. Mondays, you know. Just ran in here to record. Yep. Uh, announcements? Anything? Get them. Oh, um, I'll do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> merch store is still open. I love the shirts. They're super soft. I love the long sleeve. They're like a sagey green long sleeve. Perfect cuddle shirt. <laughs> super soft. I love it. I love me a long sleeve tee. Good for snugs. Yeah. Um, oh, I bought stickers this week, so we'll have stickers. Yes, I'm excited about the stickers. I have a sticker problem. I love stickers. Um, our subscription is open. Murdered Midwest. Yes, our subscription is open. It's been three weeks. We've um, got two episodes out, and the other one is coming Monday. Yes. Um, we'll do a. I was going to give a shout out to our subscribers, though. Get them. But we're recording this like a week in advance, so if your name's not on here, we'll get you next time. Yes. It better, I hope we have a lot more by next yeah, time. Yeah, me too. As of now, we have Kristen, Mallory, Karen, Michelle, Brittany, Elizabeth, and Laura. We're all best friends now because they subscribed. <laughs> we appreciate Midwest. you guys. We appreciate it so much. Happy mail coming your way. Actually, by the time this records, you should have already gotten it. So Possibly. I don't know. Possibly. Mail system. Yeah. Uh, I have a shout out I have to give to. Okay. I got to give a shout out to my fifth grade class. <laughs> I need uh, to come meet them. I, I recently started teaching again at Howard Elementary, and I got put in fifth grade with 19 students. I have 19 students, and they're pretty awesome. They're, they sound pretty cool. They're more awesome than I expected fifth graders to be, and so I'm very happy with my class. And they have uh, told me that they listen to the podcast, and they get excited about all the updates I give them. So Aww. huge shout-out to Edith and like Liam and Emma. I know I others like listen to I it, too. I might be able to name all 19 names just by hearing you talk about them. Yeah, I'm a storyteller. Yeah, sure. he talks about it a lot. But thank you guys for your support. Appreciate you guys. Now, go do what your parents say. <laughs> um, podcast class coming up November 3rd yep. here at Cross America. I don't make a big deal about it, but that's my birthday. Come see us. It'll be Johnny's. It is Johnny's birthday. I'm spinning the big three two, teaching you guys about podcasts and stuff. <laughs> Come on over. What happens after a certain time? You don't really care. About the same <laughs> um, but we will. Maybe I'll bring a cake for you. Nah. Yeah. Everybody can have cake, and we'll sing to you. Okay. And learn about podcasting. Good grief. I tell you what, though, I wish we had had something like this when we first started podcasting because yes. the amount of information that. Um, us and the other girls have gotten together to like give to those that are wanting to start a podcast. It's extensive. It's yeah. extensive. This, this is, yourself and I'm telling you, this is worth the money. I think, what is it? $50, $50 yeah. and, and you get lunch lunch and the lunch is great here at Dowding Thomas and cake probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, totally worth the fifty bucks. I would I would go back and tell myself in a heartbeat to take this opportunity. A swag bag. Oh and yeah. And then there's local businesses that have donated like equipment. Podcast is that right? Equipment. Yeah. And so Whoa. you'll have a chance to win that. So literally, like if you want a podcast, you should. If be here. in the back of your head you're like, I think I might want to do a podcast either soon or down the road. This is worth your time. It's worth your fifty dollars. I promise, because we spent how many hours learning off <laughs> trying to figure it out ourselves off I YouTube. I watched so many YouTube videos and then narrowed it down to five. It would have been super just, nice to oh, just have one class. Yeah, this is super solid. Okay. Anything else? 
No, I'm ready for you to tell me about Dollar Generals and where they're at. And missing people. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I'm trying. I feel like I had another announcement, but I guess I don't. I thought you like made a note of all the announcements. Oh, I did. Okay, I was gonna bring up. So, uh, a couple episodes ago in Missing Midwest. Just kidding. In Murdered Midwest, we talked about April Tinsley. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, you have to subscribe and go listen to it. But in yeah. that episode, we talked about the card team. Yes, we did. Okay, yes. And last week, there was a little girl in New York who went missing. And I was reading the updates on it, like, religiously. It, like, seriously, it was horrible. She was riding her bike, camping with her family, and just some stranger just grabbed her and they had no idea where she was meanwhile we were also camping with our family yeah so that, Kayla it was hit like home for me because we were camping and my kids were also riding their bikes camping and i was like no um but they quickly ruled out that it wasn't like a family like abduction and so they called in the fbi card team which was the children again what is it children against rapid deployment children Child Agency Rapid Deployment or something like that. I can't even remember what Cody, it was. Cody, you nodded yes to all three different things that she said. <laughs> <laughs> the first one. Okay. I'm gonna, what is it? I'm going to look it up. FBI card team. Child Abduction Rapid Deployment Team. Child Abduction Rapid Deployment Team. Which is yes. a specialized team that the FBI has. And they, like, deploy this team when they are certain that it's a stranger abduction. We talked a lot more they, about it in the Murdered Midwest. In the April Midwest. Tinsley case, yeah. Murdered Midwest, April Tinsley case, we talked about it because that is the team that wrote a very good profile on the abductor. And it was just really cool because that happened back in, like, the 80s. And then last week they called in that team again um, and they came in and were able to solve this one. Um, And they did. They found the little girl and she was safe, um, physically safe anyway. And they brought her home after like three days. So that was a good answer. But I just, I was listening to that. I was like, I know what that is. We just talked about it. Yep. It made me feel better as a mom knowing that there was such a team that exists. Yeah. It's like the rapid deployment. I like that. Yeah. Like, like, man, they're coming in and they have like 50, it's like a team of like 50 special agents that like specialize in that. Yeah. So as a mom, you can um, maybe rest a little bit easier knowing that there's like specific teams out there to help find kids. Made me feel better a little yeah. bit. Although I don't know that my kids will ever be allowed to ride their bike again. But anyway. Listen up. If you're a small business owner like myself, you understand the value of time. There is always something to be done and it's up to you to do it. Your business is your baby, and you rarely can trust others with it. But what if I told you that I had somebody that you can trust, someone that can save you time and help your business grow? I do. With Bow Digital, you have access to an entire team that will be there for you with marketing and advertising. It doesn't matter what the size of your budget or your business is. Bow can help you take the stress of marketing off your plate and free up your time to do more of the things you love to do with your business. Bow is a marketing company and a business partner, but my favorite thing about them is that they have become true friends. You can find out more about them and what they offer at bowdigital.com. Take it from me and put a bow on it. Are you ready for today's case? I am. Okay. Deep breath. Pregnant. Pregnancy break. <laughs> Every time. I talk, we have a merch store. <laughs> I just feel I, like I'm supposed to fill the space with like an I advertisement. I fast anyway, which I've had people. I'm sorry. I've had people complain about it. Not complain. That, just note. Say, you just note that care. you talk fast. That's okay. I talk fast. I actually listen to podcasts sometimes on like where you can like amp up the speed, and get more information in. You do that? Yeah. 
See, I'm just already doing that for y'all. <laughs> Somebody said I we prioritize fast. your time, so we talk fast. No, I'm sorry. Get over it, though. <laughs> Good grief. Okay, so yeah, but talking fast and being pregnant, I'm totally out of breath. Okay, so today's case, it's crazy one. Um, I always say a missing child, worst thing, right? Yes. What's worse than one missing child? Two missing children. Oh, goodness. Uh, that's exactly what happened to this mom. Her two daughters disappeared from their apartment. Uh, they were three years old and 10 years old, and they've never been found. Been over 20 years. Um, so this is the story of Tianda and Diamond Bradley. Uh, Tiana and Diamond lived in Chicago with their mom, Tracy. Um, I think we all know what Chicago, where Chicago is and what Chicago is. It's a huge population, 2.7 million. I looked up the Dollar Generals up there, which it was interesting. They're only on like the south side, like the southeast side of the city is full of Dollar Generals, but not like the north side. Um, but there was like 18 and they were all over the place, scattered around. Um, fun fact, I've never been to Chicago. Yes, you have. Well, I've been to it. Like I've been through it and around it and i went to it and took a train from chicago to arizona but that was it i just got on the train and left i've never like visited chicago visited chicago i've yeah played a couple football games you played a football game like around chicago and i i remember like driving by and seeing the city but i've never like been and visited it i don't know why i'm not a city person though like it's stressful to me like going just to like indianapolis so I like the country roads with no lines and <laughs> one stoplight down, so I'm not surprised I haven't been to Chicago. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're at today, up in Chicago. Chicago. Um, we're actually just a couple miles from um, Michigan, Lake Michigan. Okay. Is where their apartment was. So on July 6, 2001, Tracy Bradley was getting ready to leave for work. She had to be there super, super early in the morning, and so she was getting ready. Um, Tracy had four daughters. Um I just said, um, like 67 times in there, so I'm going to start over. So on July 6, 2001, Tracy Bradley was getting ready for work. She had to be there super, super early, so she was up. She was getting ready. Tracy had four daughters. Uh, however, the only, only the youngest two were home at the time, Tianda, who was 10, and Diamond, who was 3. The other two were older, and they had spent the night with their grandma the night before. So only the youngest two were at home. So the night, um, the apartment, so we're in the apartment. We have the two little kids, the mom and the mom's boyfriend, which is a guy named George. He was also Diamond's dad. And George, um, actually he had to give Tracy a ride to work. So she's getting ready. She tells the girls bye. She gives them a kiss. The last thing she said to them before she leaves is don't open the door for anyone. That was the rule. So she kissed them goodbye and she left for work. Later that morning around 8 a.m., Tracy called the apartment to check in. However, Tianda, the 10-year-old, she didn't answer. Tracy did not like this. Um, She always called the girls to check in. They were supposed to be in the apartment, so why weren't they answering the phone? There's nothing else to do. It's a small apartment. Answer the phone, you know? And they knew that her mom would be calling to check in. Um, So she immediately got a not, like, an uneasy feeling about it, Um, but she just kind of told herself maybe they didn't hear the phone, maybe they fell back to sleep, whatever. So later that morning, um, it was around 11 a.m. is when her shift was ended at work. And so George came back to pick her up, and they go back home. As soon as she gets home, she unlocks the front door, and she calls out for the kids, but there's no answer. So she starts walking around the house. Her and George, they search the entire apartment, and they realize that they're not there. Uh, It was about that time that she sees a note on the back of the couch. And it said this, we went to the corner store, and we will be right back. 
this was in Tionda's handwriting, and the corner store was not that far away, um, but Tracy said Tionda would not have went anywhere without an adult. It just wasn't like her. She knew she wasn't allowed to leave, um, so she immediately was like, I, I don't like it. It doesn't feel right, and she goes to the corner store, and she starts looking around. She looks all over the neighborhood, the playgrounds, everywhere that the girls might have been, and they are nowhere to be found. So later that night at 6 p.m., Tracy reports the girls missing. Seems like a long time to me. Yeah. Um, And I knew you were going to think that, too. Uh, Most of this is credited to the fact that, I mean, Tracy was um, a single mom. She had two other kids in her her custody. She had four kids, but she had two other girls at home. And she knew that it didn't look good to leave those little girls. I mean, a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old home alone. So she was like... She really didn't want to tell police that she had left him home alone. Um, and so I, I, a lot of people thought it was weird that she didn't report them missing for so long. But I think a lot of it goes toward to that, that part of it. Um, so anyway. I mean, to me, it's like at seven hours after she got off work. I mean, it's not – it seems long, but I, don't, I wouldn't say it's like an egregiously long. By the time you get home, check the corner store, talk to your people that are around you – do a little bit of your own search like and then try to like you know you're talking yourself out of something bad happening you don't want to overreact and also you're worried about what the police are going to think when they find out they were home alone so i mean yeah i think it's i don't find it to be that like suspicious yeah if it was like the next day i'd be like you went to sleep without your kids that's a problem like this is yeah um so a lot of times when people go missing we hear about how the cops didn't do anything and they just wasted time right that was not the case here. Like, by the next day, they were, like, they hit the ground running. Like, they were passing out flyers. They were searching everywhere. Mostly because the initial thought was that the girls were lost. They had that note saying that they left. Right. And so they were thinking that they left together and had just gotten turned around and couldn't find their way home. So the police are like, we just need to get the word out. People sure. need to be on the lookout for these little girls. Yeah. But then they were also worried about Lake Michigan. Like I said, this apartment was only a couple blocks from the water. And we've been there. You know how... I mean, it's literally yeah. like an ocean. It's huge. Um, and kids are usually drawn to water. So I think... So they were worried about that. So they immediately... Like, they put dive teams out. They were searching the water, searching the the um, beach area, stuff like that. Yeah, there's a map of it. Like, the apartment. It's not that far at all. Um so yeah they're thinking they just wandered away like they have this note saying that they left so they aren't really thinking foul play i mean it says right here we left yeah um so this note back to this note so while it was in tiana's handwriting and the police believed that that's what it said the family immediately was like no she would have just called she would have just called her mom if she wanted to go somewhere she wouldn't have wrote a note um, they also said that um, the way it was worded was not how Tionda talked. And so from the get-go, the family, they were like, no, somebody made her write that note. That's what the family said. That was the stance the family took. Really? Um, they said, it, yeah, it just didn't sound like her, how she would talk, and, or how she would have talked. And also, they said she called her mom, I mean, for like anything, any questions she had or whatever. She knew, you know, she was home alone. She had the little sister. Interesting. She could call the mom for anything. If she wanted to go to the corner store, she would have called her mom and asked or called her mom and told her. Man. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what's at the root of homelessness? I used to try to describe it to my husband that um, I said, I feel like I'm in this big spider web and I'm stuck in there. And how wraparound approaches at missions aim to make a difference? It's the things like that. 
the people who communicated that in spite of my rough edges, that they authentically cared about me. On the Restorers podcast, we'll talk to experts, investigate current issues, share stories, and give you an inside look at how we at Water Street Mission tackle issues related to homelessness and poverty every single day. Join us by searching Restorers wherever you find your podcasts. I feel like when I was 10, I could have gone either way. I mean, I wouldn't have left ever, but I feel like 10-year-olds are unpredictable. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. So a few days after this, um, Tracy's mom starts to change her story a little bit. Oof. Which is always a red flag. Um, so she, she, whose mom, I'm sorry? Oh, I said Tracy's mom. Tracy, the mom. Okay, I'm with you now. So sorry. the mom, Tracy, she started to change her story. Red flag. She told the police originally, when she reported the missing, that she was asleep. And when she woke up, they were gone. And then a few days later is when she told the police the truth that she was actually at work. So that right there to me also says she was scared. Yeah. Um, the police didn't like this changing in the story. How I don't really put much stock in the changing of the me story because I said from the get-go, I, I get think that. she was just yeah. worried about letting the police know that she had left two children it's home an alone. I, it's an eye-roll situation, yeah. not really a... However, there was a few other red flags as well. So she refused to provide a handwriting sample of Tionda so they could prove that she had written that note. Um, she would not let police interview her other two daughters, like would not let them speak with her. And then um, the police found some surveillance surveillance footage from like a, a store and there were two kids on there that had like been caught on that tape. And so they're like, hey, like we think we might have caught them on surveillance footage. Can you come down to the station to see if you think it's them? Like it wasn't fully obvious. It was them. It was, you know, grainy footage. Um, she She didn't go. Like she just wouldn't go look at the footage for like three days. See, I mean, the first two things, I mean, like there's some people that have had really bad experiences with police and they don't want any part of it. Like, to, you know, I don't feel that way, but I know some people do, so I can dismiss those first two things, but that one, yeah, we possibly found your kids on surveillance. Can you come check it out to not follow that up? That's frustrating to me. Yeah. So it is important to note that, um, she was acting on the advice of her lawyer at this time, which we love a good lawyer. We the say, lawyer said, don't go verify the they surveillance didn't footage. Say that the lawyer said not to go verify it, but what she, she said her behavior at the time was because her, of, she was doing what her lawyer said to do. So I don't know if the lawyer told her not to go check the footage. But I just don't think he would do that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, what's stressful buying and selling a house just over a year ago, we were in the middle of the process and it was overwhelming. I am so thankful that we had someone like Amber to guide us through the process. She knew what to do and when to do it. You were so concerned about pricing and loans, and I was just concerned with the colors and the layout. Ugh, you remember that? Yes. Amber kept everything in mind, and we are in our dream house because of her. If you are looking to buy or sell in or around the Howard County area, you have to give Amber a call. Or you can just give her a text, 765-865-1118. You can follow her on Facebook at Amber White Realtor slash Broker with Carrie Gruel and Associates. She posts the latest listings, giveaways, and even helpful home tips. We are so grateful for Amber and all her help. So that was not a good look. And no. so she quickly became like a public. The public started to look at her sideways a little okay. bit because of yeah. how she was acting. Yeah. Um, sus, as the kids say. Is that what your fifth graders say? <laughs> okay. You have came home with some new words. We're reading the Westing game and we're all being detectives because they love the podcast. 
And so the Weston game is a mystery, and they all have their little detective notebooks. And anytime we talk about anything sketchy, instead of sketchy, as we would say, that's sketchy, they say that is sus, as in suspicious. Wow. We're going to have to change our vocab. No. (laughs) So at this point, there is no evidence of foul play. The police are coming at this like, we don't have any evidence of foul play. However, we can't rule out a crime. Um, so they did, they were able to ask the FBI for help because they're of the not being able to rule out a crime part. Um, so they concluded that the girls probably didn't walk away on their own. They had over 500 police officers involved in the search throughout that entire, like the rest of that summer. Um, it was actually one of the largest manhunts in the history of Chicago. Wow. Yeah. And so they had like the dogs and the dive teams, the firefighters, water searches, the FBI, just like tons of help for the rest of the summer. Um, and nothing, they were not able to turn anything up. So no, no foul play suspected, but no crime or they couldn't rule out a crime. Well, man, at this point, Foul play has to be suspected, right? I mean, there's no girls. Like. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Um, so two weeks after the disappearance, the FBI was able to confirm that Tionda did write the note. They were able to somehow get a sample, sample. and confirm it, um, which, duh. I mean, who else would have written the note? Yeah. It was a three-year-old and a 10-year-old in the apartment, and it looked like, I mean, yeah. Um, a little later, though, police learn about a voicemail that Tracy got the morning that the girls disappeared. Um, it was a voicemail from Tionda, and this one, this kind of like flipped Wait the entire case. Wait a minute here. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> so um, this voicemail somehow was deleted. They, I could not find if the police heard it and then it was deleted. I couldn't, I don't know if the family heard it and told the police about it. I assume since it is such a, like, it, it, it is reported that this is what the voicemail said like exactly what the voicemail said um and that it 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 did go to tracy's phone i i think the police heard it like i i don't think that it would be such a huge part of the case if it was just the family saying that i think the police did hear it i don't know if it got it must have gotten deleted i don't know if it got deleted in police custody or if she let the police hear it and then she deleted it or i don't know they were not able to recover it. However, it is like a known fact that this voicemail existed. It was on Tracy's phone, and it was from Tionda, and it was the morning that they disappeared. Okay. okay. All right. So this is what the voicemail said. It said, Ma, this is Tionda. Pick up the phone, Ma. George is at the door. He said that we are coming to pick you up at work, and then we are going to Jules to get a cake. That was the voicemail. So... <laughs> not looking good for george so but wait here's george, the deal. Is, george is diamond's dad right yes yeah, so here's the deal we know this george washington yes that was his real name george washington diamond's dad the one that stayed spent the night with him the night before guy on the quarter huh so it was the guy on the quarter oh george. i thought you said the corner i was like why when did i say he was on the corner the quarter the quarter george washington yes um but there's another George. There's a family friend named George. Oh, no. Tionda, his name is not, I don't, I don't remember. I don't think his name was actually George. Tionda called him George. I don't know why. Maybe his name was George. I don't remember. However, there's a family friend named George. This George used to babysit the kids. He was a family friend. So, like, we don't know what George was at the door. Whoa. The other thing, so this is also proof to the note thing. Like, Tionda wouldn't have left a note. She calls her mom for everything. 
Like, she didn't let this person in the apartment. She called her mom. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't have written a note. She would have called her mom. And so, it just makes more sense with, like, what the family said. Like, I don't think she would have. Somebody coaxed her into writing the note. Yes. I think someone made her write the note. I think that someone on the other side of the door didn't know that she had called the mom before she opened the door. And then tried to cover their tracks with her making her write a note. Yeah, because the stories don't line up. Exactly. Right? Like, the we're going to the corner store, mm-hmm. and we're going to pick you up from work and then get a cake. Those stories don't uh-huh. line up. I think somebody didn't know she called the mom Whoa. and told them that. Whoa. This George. Wow. So, also, the thing is, Goodness. July 7th, the day after, was her sister's birthday. So, whoever was on the other side of that door Knew knows that. this family. It was like, oh, it's like one of those, like, oh, come help me find my puppy thing. Like, this story was very specific to those kids and that family. Enough that this per- this person this knew the family, sick. yeah, and came up with a story to, you know, and trick a ten and three year old, yeah, to trick them into letting opening the door. Oh my gosh! Um, so so we lose this voicemail. Yes, yeah, so wouldn't you love to know like what time it happened? That's what and I'm all saying. That crap? Yeah, um, we don't have time, any of that. Info. I have a question. I've been waiting yeah. to ask for a good time. I was waiting for a pregnancy breath break to ask you. This. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what time did she say she left? I think you said this earlier. It didn't say what time. It was just very early. She called home at 8. Okay. To check on And they them. weren't there at 8. They didn't answer at 8. So that was the other thing. If they would have went to the corner store, if, if, if they would have been at the corner store at 8 and that's why she didn't answer the phone, they would have been back by 11. Right. And then, like, again, this voicemail call said that we were going to pick you up from work, which means it had to be close to 11. Probably. I'm upset that we don't have a voicemail. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to have that? Um, so, yeah, we don't get to know what time that voicemail came in. Um, and we don't know. I don't or We don't know. I don't know. I couldn't find it when and where, how it got deleted. It got deleted. However, I, I don't. I did. I do think the police. I read that the police actually did hear it themselves, and I believe they heard it themselves because I don't think it would be such a like pertinent part of the case if it was just like hearsay that somebody got a like. Oh, the mom got this, but we don't couldn't confirm it. Like I think right. the police confirmed it. Um. So now we're just stuck here judging both Georges, really. <laughs> um. So after that, I mean. Diamond's dad, George, he was actually, the police said he was very cooperative. They searched his house. They searched his cars. He took um, uh, polygraphs and passed them. Like, they questioned him. Um, They did find some hair in his trunk of his car, and it was female hair, and they did run DNA on it. They couldn't rule, like, whose it was. It was either Tracy's or one of her daughters, which, but that makes sense. I mean, unloading groceries or, like, and yeah. unloading or loading anything in your truck and it's somebody I mean, I was about that to be like oh why is it in your trunk but then again if you like looked at our trunks you'd probably find yeah your he hair like, or something, it was, you know, i don't like, think that's not weird and the police yeah. said and so he never was named as a suspect at all okay like he was pretty much completely so, ruled out i mean his daughter's missing in this situation yeah like, <laughs> yeah and so okay so i mean with george here so however cooperative he may have seemed to be seemed to have been during this um on July 12th, the authorities, when because he, he did let them search his home and stuff, um, they found a receipt in his home uh, for a pack of, this is rough. You ready for this? Goodness. 42-gallon garbage bags, gardening gloves, neoprene, is that neoprene gloves? Um, 
and bleach purchased Goodness. one day after Tionda and Diamond. Oh was my gosh. Five, they were able to find the box of garbage bags, and five of them were missing. And the gardening gloves, they couldn't find them in his house. See, my thing is, like, I've bought all of those things before, but never together. And never after two of the people you know. Exactly. Missing, right? I don't like coincidences. So, I, I don't know. Oof. I mean, that right there, George. I don't know how he wasn't ruled as a suspect. Um, but several witnesses also said that they saw George burning something in a 55-gallon drum in his backyard. Wait a minute. They said he loaded it in his truck and drove it away. So, I mean, that with the hair in his trunk. I mean... But George said... What's his explanation for this? George said that he often drove the girls around, and he said... No, what's his explanation for burning crap in his backyard well, and buying I don't know about that. the Dexter Kill Kit in his backyard? I agree. And I don't, I don't know why he was not a suspect after that. But I mean, that right there, to me, I'm like... Guess what? George. If I ever see also, any the human mail, being that's really all ever... That's why I'm not a cop, because I would have been like... Yep, Rest George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they said his the name heck, was on man. the voicemail, and he did all this sketchy stuff. If I'm ever... In a store, and I see you buying 42-gallon garbage bags, bleach, and gardening gloves, uh, you're staying right there with me until we get a good story from this. Because yeah. I'm not about to be like, hey, the serial killer, you have a nice Tuesday. Like, I that's not what I'm going to say. I don't he was never considered a I don't, I mean, they must have had an absolutely fantastic reason for all that. Well, I mean, okay, let's take ourselves out of the our like armchair detective self and go okay. actually put ourselves in perspective here. They had nothing. They had no bodies. They had no evidence that he did anything wrong. It is not illegal to buy those things. It is not illegal to burn things. The hair in his car, he was very close with them. He also said... The hair in the car doesn't bother me. He also said something else that he had said that they went to a drive-in movie theater a lot and they would pull over and the girls would get in the trunk until they got in there into the movie theater, like the drive-in and then get out like that right there. That's plausible. Yeah. I'm not the hair in the car. doesn't bother me. Well, the hair in the car is the only evidence that the, they have. The, and buying it's not all even the, the in, receipt for, you said they found a receipt, right? Yes, but it's not illegal to buy those things. You and uh, I would have arrested him, but I'm an saying, actual policeman cannot I'm arrest someone for that. You're a suspect. If I see you buying all this, that's stuff. true. Yes, like, that's come on. At, but again, I don't even know what the, qualifications are to make somebody a suspect it probably Oof. has to be more than you buying some sketchy stuff i mean i hear you i mean if you were able to be a suspect off of things that you buy or things that you google search i, I would be a suspect because if you looked at my google search it's pretty scary i'm constantly looking up killings and murders and kidnappings and stuff like that well i've never been more nervous in my life <laughs> you know that's what i do in my free time so if, if they could make you a suspect off of something like that like then yeah that would be I mean, that's not good. Yeah, they have to have some sort of evidence. And they, just want to put it out nothing. there that I'm not Googling those things. So <laughs> Don't look at my Google search. Will, I'll be checked into My Google sort of search is largely uh, fantasy football related. <laughs> okay, well, mine is murder. So <laughs> All right. Well, just rock me to sleep tonight. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what they did with the other George. That's what I'm saying. I'm like waiting there for you to be like. There was not so any. I could not find any information really on the other George. I'm assuming he was also ruled out. Um, you know, they did a very thorough job with the first George. Um, so after about a month, this case was still hot. It was still getting national news. Um, the police expanded the search area to 20 mile radius around the apartment. They talked to over a hundred registered sex offenders. They searched over 5,000 abandoned buildings in the Chicago area. Um, but as fall started to come around, 
tips started to dwindle and then September 11th happened because we're in 2001 here. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Um, and after that, it just all kind of stopped. No more tips, nothing. Um, sometime before the new year, this private investigator shows up and started looking into the case. His name was Pete Foster. Um, he said he was just there to give the family another resource to talk to, um, to go back and forth between like the Chicago PD and the family, but nobody ever will say who hired him. I don't know why, but um, even with him looking into things on his own independently, nothing. He found nothing, and no more tips came in. Um, in 2002, there was a break in the case when a bone showed up on the shore of Lake Michigan, and it was in a bag, and it looked like um, they thought it was a finger of a child. Yuck. And so they immediately thought it was the Bradley sisters. Um, however, they tested it, and it was not human bone. Which I still think is sketchy that there was a mega sketchy. In a bag, also, the fact that that's breaking news before they like to me, it's not breaking bo- news until you confirm it's human. <laughs> well, I mean, when you, you know? find a bone, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, children, but like, um, so two years later, another lead happened, and this one actually happened in Indianapolis. Um, there was this like community event with like public servants and policemen and firefighters and stuff, and there's this policeman, and he was like working with the community, and all these people were coming out, and he noticed these two little girls, and you know, they were, they were together, and he just remembered how cute they were, and he said they were super polite, and they were waiting in line, and they just seemed so sweet, and he just, you know, he took notice of those girls at that event. Well, a month later, he saw a poster of the missing Bradley sister. He was like, holy crap, that was them. Like, he was like, I, I know that was them, and so he called um, the Chicago police and was like, I, I know for a fact I saw those girls, you know, That's and tough. so the Chicago police actually came to Indy because he wasn't the only one that said he saw the Bradley sisters in Indianapolis. What? There was another tip that had came in. Somebody said they saw two little girls and they swore it was the Bradley sisters at a Walmart in Indianapolis. And so the Chicago police were like, wow, that's two people saying, you know, Indianapolis. Um, and so they came down, they got that footage from Walmart and they said it wasn't them. So then they, they looked at the footage and they, said it wasn't they them. looked Dang at the footage, it, said it wasn't them. And so then they were like, well, it probably wasn't them at that community event. Either. Right. So they ruled that out. Wow. Um, so that just like kept happening. All these tips and false hope just kept popping up. Um, the, in 2008, a MySpace, a MySpace page came up and it was like, it looked like Tionda. Like she was 17, the exact same age, looked just like her. The PI even confirmed that it was her. Um, but then officials, the FBI came in and they were like, they did like facial stuff and they're like, yeah, that's not her. So like the, the family literally just keeps getting their hopes up with these like wild. Yeah. These stories and tips that keep coming in. Um, there was like tips that, um, there was a tip that came in that they were being used as sex slaves in Illinois. Uh, there were tips coming in that the Diamond's real dad came and stole them and took them to a different country. Which was George. They were saying that it wasn't him, I guess. I don't know. There was a paternity out um, with George saying that he, like, um, Tracy had taken a paternity suit against George at some point, saying that he was Diamond's dad. Um, but that was, he was actually the third guy that she had done that to. So I don't know. And I never found, I didn't know he was Diamond's dad for sure. Three months before. Yeah. Three months before she went missing, he was her dad. So that doesn't even make sense. But people were saying that, you know, how rumors get started. Yeah. Her real dad. I don't know. Um, this is why missing kids are the worst because all of these tips, you know, that the family is just like, oh my gosh, like. I got to go to Illinois now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. 
Horrible. Ch- Chicago's in Illinois, but, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why it worded it that way in my research then. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so with social media and things starting to pick up um, in 2019, they decided the, the family was using Facebook and stuff to make pages and just like spread the word and spread awareness about the girls. They did. There's Cody has these pictures pulled up now. These like um where they like age the like age progression yeah. age progression photos of the girls and so they were using that um, platform trying to spread the word and the girl's aunt who was very involved in their lives and you know with um, them and their case and everything and she posted that you know she missed them and she just wanted them home and that she would do anything to get them home blah 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 and all of a sudden this comment popped up and it said we're trying like to come out like what and so this lady that commented it messaged the aunt and claimed to be Tianda and said she lived in Texas. I know you can tell from the right off the bat that it was just bull. But so she started messaging the aunt and went through this whole like story. She said her and um, Diamond are still together and they have kids and Diamond's in college and making her life better and they're trying to get home and blah, blah, blah. So the aunt is like, yeah, I've been through this. Like, it's probably not true because they, I mean, they've already went yeah. through all these like false hope situations. Right. Eventually, so she keeps the conversation going. Eventually this girl agrees to a DNA test, but then like the, the FBI or not the FBI, the PI stepped in and like found out that like this lady had like multiple fake names, perfect, fake information. And she Jeez. never took a DNA test because it was all fake. And Why she was not really, are people like this? Right. Like, Goodness. do you not have anything better to do than Seriously. to just ruin someone else's life? Like, ugh. I hope ridiculous. you stub your toe on every piece of furniture in your house. <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> I agree. Um, so, yeah, as of now, 2023, nothing else has really happened. That was the last tip, the lady from Texas claiming to be one of the girls, and she wasn't. So, I mean, it's been over 20 years, and no answers. I mean, what's what crazy is, like, girls. this is my age. Like, I was 10 in, 20, in 2001. Yeah. Like she would be, I'm about to turn 32. Like she, she was my age. Yeah. Like, so I'm trying to think like my 10 year old self in that situation, what I would have done and probably would have called I my mom Think or my dad, you know, I think like, it was George. I don't know which George, but I think whoever it was, if that voicemail was heard and exists that way. I mean, I feel like when I was 10, I could have told you if I knew the person at the door or not. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't be I like... I think it was who they said it that's was, That's what though. I'm saying. I think A. George was at the door yeah. that day. Yeah. Because I think she would have been smart enough to be like, I recognize this person. It's George. And he says we're doing this. And I trust George. I'm just confirming she with you. She still verified it with her mom. Yeah. Like, good for her. Yeah. But, like, there's then there's this piece of, like, is that voicemail real? Why was it deleted? Why did mom not go look at surveillance footage? You know, I, I hate that. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in here that I just don't really fully there's understand. There's a lot... A lot yeah. of conspiracy. And then the whole like, 6 p.m. thing. Again, it's like, I don't hate it, but also... If you... I left... I gave the bare bones of this case. I gave you the, the details and the facts. If you Google it yourself, one of the first things you're going to see, or one of the first theories that you're going to see, is that the mom and George together have done like pulled this off together. That's a lot a stance that a lot of people take. And it is a deep rabbit hole that you will get into of... Yikes. I don't, I'm never going to, I don't know. I don't want to blame a parent for yeah, that's something a, that's that a I don't even know about. Yeah, that's a hard finger to point. But like, but. Exactly. So I'm not going to, I mean, there's a lot of information on it, but yeah, it's definitely sketchy. Um, I don't know. Someone knows. Someone knows something.
This podcast is a So Will I Studios production. So Will I.